0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Paul is concluding his letter to the folks in Thessalonica and Thessalonica is the actual name of the town, and this is part of that conclusion. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Some encouraging words from Paul. Now, the folks in this church in Thessalonica, they were, they loved the Lord. They were saved. They were really zealous. They were really excited about the coming of the Lord, about the second coming, about the rapture as we know it today. They were really ecstatic about that. As a matter of fact, they were so excited about it, they actually went overboard. They went overboard badly. And in some cases, we could say that they took their liberty to worship and they they actually went so far overboard with it, it actually caused them to sin, to go against God's will. So we can summarize First Thessalonians this way, that God gave his people specific behaviors to embrace while they waited on the Lord's return. And he gave them this, Paul gave them this message for one reason. And first we see that in chapter 4 verses 3 through 8, they talked about sexual purity. Because there were some folks in this church that believed that they they jumped on this bandwagon. I'm saved and I have liberty to do whatever I want to do in life. So if I want to go out and be sexually impure, sexually immoral, I'm saved. It's okay. Well, Paul brought a message in chapter 4 verses 3 through 8 against that, trying to correct that. Then it was one of brotherly love. Some of the folks in this church had become selfish and they had become self-centered. And they they felt like because they were saved that it was all about them. They, they, They lacked some maturity. Then there was personal independence. You've all heard that famous verse that gets taken out of context so much that if you don't work, you don't eat. That's in the Bible. That's in 1 Thessalonians. That's where we find it. And it's in relation to these people. You see, what had happened in this church, some of these folks, had they were so confident that Jesus was coming and He was going to rapture them out any day, they literally quit their jobs. They literally quit working and they sat down and they said, Hey, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait on the Lord. Well, Paul told them, No. No. There's... There is some personal independence here. There are some things going on here. We don't know the hour or the time or the day when the Lord is coming to rapture His church. So in doing so, you know, go on with your lives. Go work. Take care of your families. Be who you're supposed to be. Be moral. Love one another. Take care of each other. He goes on to speak specifically to the rapture in chapter 4, verse 13 through 5, verse 11. Those verses are all about Paul explaining the rapture of the church. He also, from chapter chapter 5, verses 12 through 22, he talks about respecting leaders. He talks about loving all people. He talks about rejoicing. He talks about prayer. He talks to them about thankfulness and sincerity in public worship. He gives them some expectations of what God needs from them and wants from them as they walk in a Christian life. But we see in our passage today that God also, Paul also gives them some words of God about peace. About peace. And when we're talking about peace, we're also talking about sanctification. If you notice with me, in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Those two words, peace and sanctify, they go together. And I don't know if Anyone's ever talked to you about sanctification, about what it means? The sanctify means to be set apart. When you were saved as a Christian, if you're saved this morning, when you were saved as a Christian, you were set apart for God's work. You were set apart to be someone special in God's world, in God's work, in God's will. And you still are set apart for that very purpose today. God, the way that you have managed your life, whether you've made mistakes or bad decisions or whatever it may be in life, that does not change God's will for you. And I want you to understand that this morning. And I'm a testimony of that. If anyone could have lived a life that would have changed God's will for them, it would have been me. But I stand here this morning as a testimony of how great and gracious a God that we serve because He didn't change. He didn't change. I may have failed Him, but He didn't change. You may have found yourself in a spot where you have failed God, but God hasn't changed. He wants... He still wants you to know that you are set apart. And He wants you to find peace in that. And that's the words of Paul this morning to the church in Thessalonica and to you here. And to the whole church throughout the world this morning. It doesn't matter what they have done in their lives. God is there with His arms wide open, just like he was for the prodigal son, the picture of the prodigal son, when the father ran to the road to meet the son, and he flung his arms open, and he greeted him. That's the way God is today, ready to greet each one of us. And all of us. But now understand, that greeting and that welcoming home, that is for the Christian. That is for the individual who has given their heart and life to Jesus. The one who has... Been saved as we call it. The one who has bowed before God and asked Him to ask them, ask God to forgive them of their sin and to accept them into His kingdom, to save them. And that salvation is still freely given today. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't be good enough to deserve it. You can't be so bad that it's not going to be available to you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. That word believeth is the key word in that scripture. Believe. Believe. If you believe in Jesus this morning, if you believe that He died on the cross, If you believe that He was the only begotten Son of God, if you believe that He was laid to rest in a borrowed tomb, if you believe that on the third day He rose from the dead and walked out of that tomb, if you believe that He is who He says He is, then you can be saved this morning. Whosoever believeth. And if you if you haven't done that in your life if you haven't accepted that if you haven't called upon Jesus to save you and to to write your land name in the lamb's book of life to forgive you of your sin then this morning I want to invite you to do that before we leave before we as we close this service this morning but if you have I want you to know that these words that Paul are talking about here in in Thessalonians they are for you this morning Either Jesus is calling you to salvation or He is calling you to come back and to understand that you are set apart and to embrace that and to find peace in it. So how do we find that peace? That's the question. How do we find that peace? How do we know? How do we know that we have that peace? How do we know that we are there and and that we should be embracing that peace? And there's not anything more. Well, some things I want you to think about. First, we know that we are set apart when we are totally submitted to God. In verse twenty three, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. The very God of peace sets you apart, wholly and totally. You can't sanctify. You cannot. God can't sanctify you if you are refusing to submit to it. When we talk about God setting us apart, we have to be willing and we have to submit to God. We have to submit to what He wants in our life. We have to submit to that calling. Now, we may have been saved. Our name may have been written in the Lamb's book of life. But when God started setting us apart and started sanctifying us, to do His work in His will, we may not have submitted. We may have been scared. And I understand that. There is nothing more frightening in the world today and in the time that we live in than for God to really get a hold of your life and, and you understand that He wants to do something in your heart and He wants to do something in your life. It's frightening. It's frightening. It is an awesome thing. It is a frightening thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And that's what happens when He wants to set us apart. We have to be submissive to it. We can't be obedient to God if we aren't submissive to Him. We can't be obedient to Him if we are not submissive to Him. So it comes down to the point of us saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am in all of my failures. Here I am in all of my faults. Here I am in all of my weaknesses, in all of my fear, in everything that there is about me. Here I am in all of it. But inside of all of those things, I'm going to submit to you because I have faith in you. That's a big key word here when we're talking about being set apart, is faith. Faith in God. Now, we can have faith in Jesus that he, that, that he saved us. We can have faith in Jesus that He's taking care of us. We can have faith in Jesus that He's secured our soul. But when He asks us and leads us to step out, And to do something really, really different. Where's our faith? Do we believe that He is going to empower us? Do we really trust Him to empower us? He will. We should. Because He has said that He will. Well, we we know that we're set apart when we totally submit to God now, but do we also know that we're set apart when we know that our character is seasoned with godly quality? Seasoned. Now, that's a that's an interesting word. Now, you know what it means to season something. When, when we're cooking, we season. We'll use salt or spices. We'll season it. It zests it up. It gives it some individual character and flavor. That's what happens when we are seasoned in the quality of God's character. Mark chapter 9 verse 50. Jesus says salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will ye be seasoned? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. So, When we are saved, we have the sea, we are known as the salt of the earth. We are the ones that, that God works through to reach others. That seasoning that you have in your life is the experience that you have in life. Now think about that. Think about all of your experiences. The good, the bad, and the ugly. They all count. Those experiences in life are the seasoning of your life. Those are the things that God wants to use through you to reach other people. And in doing that, He wants you to love other people. He wants you to love yourselves. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to understand that that character, uh, that that submission That all of this coming about, the sanctification and the setting apart, to be that unique person that God needs you to be, all works out and plays out in your life. Do you think for one moment, the minute that God saved you, that he didn't see all of the faults and failures and shortcomings that were coming throughout your life? He saw them. He knew them. But you know what he said? It may not be, they may not want to handle things exactly the way I want them to handle them, but I can use it. I can use it. It's called grace. It's called grace. There is perfect grace. Perfect grace is that situation when we, from the very beginning, we follow God in step. One, two, three, four. Right through life, exactly as He laid it out. And then there is what's called provincial grace. Provincial grace is God taking us as we are and working with us to accomplish His will through our imperfections, through our faults, through our failures. This is the godly character. This is the saltness that Jesus is talking about. So when we will get to the thoughts and the things in our lives and we'll think that, well, God just can't, use me because I've gone so far and I'll, I'll share something with you this morning there are people in churches today that are saved that are good godly people but they won't use us they can't use us they will, so they will feel like that we're not good enough or we're not sanctified enough or we're not holy enough for them to use but you won't find that from God because when you look at the people that god used matthew was a tax collector he was hated he hated he was hated by his own people the reason was he was crooked he was financially crooked he made his living taking money from his own people he stole and he deceived from his own people he embezzled from his own people john the Apostle John, he was he was high-tempered. He was hot-tempered. Peter, we know a lot about Peter. We know about his shortcomings and his failures. The Apostle Paul was a murderer. The Apostle Paul literally, when he was known by Saul of Tarsus, or as Saul of Tarsus, he literally hunted down Christians and he killed them but yet when he met the Lord on the Damascus Road and he was saved, perfect grace came into his life and Paul was a changed person and he had to go through a period of time where he had to be set apart. He had to relearn God's Word and he had to be taught and God worked in his life and the Holy Spirit moved and he became the greatest preacher that has ever walked the face of the earth. So, Beyond that, who are we do King David, King David started out he was just a he was just a food delivery boy. He delivered food to the soldiers on the front lines when they were standing there fighting the Philistines. And David brought that food out there and Goliath was standing out in the field and he was tearing down the, uh, the Israelites and he was threatening them and nobody, not even King Saul. King Saul was a big man himself, but he wasn't as big as Goliath, but King Saul would not put his armor on and go out there and fight for Israel. And here this little teenage boy named David went out there with a sling and God killed the giant and brought him down at the hands of this little boy. And then it was not long after that, after Saul's failure as a king, God set David apart to be the king of Israel. Great! And he was doing really good in this until that one moment when he was staying in Jerusalem, when he should have been out in the fields and out in the battlefields fighting, and he ran across Bathsheba. And he failed with Bathsheba in adultery. And then, on top of that, he had Bathsheba's husband killed to try to cover it up. And then it was after this when he repented of it, and he put all of that behind him. It was after this when God said those favorite words and uttered those favorite words that we all like to hear about David. He is a man after my own heart. Don't let others establish your character. God has already set you apart to be special. He has already set you apart to be that person that he wants to use to meet others and to meet, bring others to Christ. So that's the quality of a godly character, but what about the quantity? The quantity is the amount of it that we have. It's spoken of very clearly right here. Again in verse 23. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Body, spirit, and soul. That's who you are. No more and no less you're comprised of three qualities. Your body, your spirit, and your soul. So exactly what are they? What do they look like? The spirit. It enables a man to receive knowledge and guidance from God. When God speaks to you, he speaks to your spirit. You can think of the spirit As this, it is God's eternal Wi-Fi network to heaven. It works both ways. Oh, it doesn't have to have amplifiers and boosters and you don't have to put in passwords and secret codes to get there. All you got to do is seek Him and through the Holy Spirit, God will speak to your spirit and He will give you direction and He will give you peace and He will give you comfort and He will give you all of the blessings and all of the things that He needs to give you and He wants to give you. And But He needs that communications to be both ways. You see, God's not just going to speak and force Himself upon you. In one area of salvation, He will speak to your spirit and He will convict you and let you know that you need to be saved. But beyond that, he's not going to force himself on you. He will let you know that he's got something to tell you. He will let you know that he wants to talk with you. He will let you know that he has some things to discuss and some things to put in your heart and in your life. But it's going to be up to you to open up that other side of communication and receive them and talk back to God through your spirit and through the word of prayer. Then there is the soul. It is the area of man's will and emotion where God operates to save and set apart. When you, in the Spirit, talk with God and let God talk with you, it is your soul that will be touched and will be affected by it. Your soul. It is your soul that is saved. It is your soul that God deals with in a very personal way. Once He has that in His hand, it is your soul that He works with and that He deals with. When He is sanctifying you and setting you apart, He's speaking to you through the Spirit and He is setting you apart through your soul for your body to follow. Your body is your personal relation to the physical world. That is where we reach others. When we have others in our life that, the, that God is dealing with in their spirit. It is our soul that gets burdened for our bodies to go to them and talk to them and explain to them. That is the quantity or the amount of seasoning that God has in your life. When He sets you apart, He uses you, body, soul, and spirit and prepares you and strengthens you and enables you to be the influence to others. As I've said to you before, there are people in your lives that I cannot reach and I cannot talk to. But there are people that you can talk to and you can reach. And God can use you for that. He can set you apart for that work. Well, we also are set apart, when we realize and grasp the faithfulness of God. In verse 24, God is faithful we may not be we may have shortcomings but God is faithful God is faithful to do in your life what you may not be faithful to accept and receive and sign on to he is faithful to stay true to you until you're ready to be submissive to him until you've learned That He set you apart until you learned that You're special in His eyes. You are special to God. He is that faithful to you and He wants that same faithfulness from you. He wants you to realize how He loves you and how faithful He is to you and He wants that to speak to your heart and He wants your faithfulness to Him to increase. Also, we grasp the fullness of God. With God, there are no voids in our life. None. There is nothing that is open. He says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. There are no voids. There is nothing empty in our life because of God. We may feel like we are empty in other areas of life. We may look for to be filled in other things. We may look to be filled in, in some worldly things in our life. We may look to be filled in some things that God can provide for us that maybe we don't see as God. Do you realize a relationship between a husband and a wife is a godly relationship that he can provide and he can fulfill? Do you realize that having the job that God wants you to have is a blessing from God? It is a fulfillment from Him. It is a faithfulness from Him. Do you realize that having the car that God wants you to have is a fulfillment from Him? It's a faithfulness of Him. There are things like that that we don't see as being God making a fulfillment and faithfulness in our life, but they are. They are very real. And it's very much God. God. And we need to learn to grasp that fullness of God. We need to learn to grasp onto everything and give God credit for everything that is good and take responsibility for everything that isn't and repent of it and have God make it right and become fullness in our life. Because that's what He wants. That's what He wants from you. That's what He wants from me. God establishes every part of the Christian walk. Not just one or two steps, but in the entire path he establishes. It's very true, in closing, it's very true to say that we are set apart as God's children at the moment we're saved. If you're not saved this morning, understand that God wants you to be. God wants you to know him. He wants you, he wants to know you as one of his children. What God has given you today is a very sincere look at what He expects from His children. So here we are. What are we going to do with it? What are we as individuals going to do with what God expects from us? Are we going to meet Him where He's at? He's standing there with His arms wide open saying, come back. Here I am. Come. Are we going to meet Him there? And are we going to start seeing ourselves as being set apart? Or are we going to allow ourselves to be deceived and set back farther and farther away from Him? Because the devil doesn't want you to see that this morning. The devil does not want you to see how much God loves you. And the devil does not want you to see how far, how much He's standing in the way of you and God. But God's saying, go around all of that, look beyond it, and look to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for these ladies, and them. they're opening opening their home uh, for the preaching and teaching of Your Word. Thank You for everything that's said and done this morning. And Lord, I pray that they can find some encouragement and some strength to know that they're set apart for you. And Lord, if there's one that's not saved, I pray that they will come to know you, they will come to call upon you, they will come to seek you before it's eternally too late. And Heavenly Father, be with these ladies throughout the rest of the day and the week and return them again next week to continue as we as we delve into your word, as we bring come closer to you and allow you to come closer into our lives in Jesus name I pray amen, amen.